The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the web. Welcome to Privacy Piracy. I'm Lloyd. I'm the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank. Mari's a local attorney and certified information privacy professional. She's the author of several books, including Safeguard Your Identity, From Victim to Victor, and The Complete Idiot's Guide to Recovering from Identity Theft. She's testified many times in Congress and the California Legislature on privacy and identity theft issues. And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash privacypiracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today? Well, Lloyd, our show is about target marketing, which has been in the news all over the place. But I am so thrilled because we're going to interview this wonderful attorney who I've actually had the opportunity to collaborate with. And we finally get to do something fun like this, which is our radio show. She is a wonderful expert. And let me tell you a little bit about Dominique Shelton. She's an attorney and and a partner in the intellectual property department of Edwards Wildman Palmer's Los Angeles Law Office. Her practice focuses on complex commercial litigation, and she has a particular concentration in the area of privacy, class actions, unfair competition, intellectual property, and antitrust. And she has a wonderful sampling of clients, which includes such things as original equipment manufacturers, television and film studios, cable channels, technology companies, semiconductor distributors, and major arts institution in Los Angeles. Yeah, she is a terrific lady, and she's done some wonderful things. She's a life member, and she's past president of the Women's Law Association of Los Angeles, and she is a life member and former board member of the Black Women Lawyers of Los Angeles. Not only that, she's also a life member of the National Bar Association, and she sat as a board member of Big Brothers and Sisters in Los Angeles during the 2007 to 2010 period, and that serves a lot of children at risk. And she is the current chair of the Entertainment and IP Law section of the Los Angeles County Bar Association. Now, you can find out a lot more about her at wildman.com slash Shelton, but also at our website where we've got her photo and her bio and the URL, which leads right to her bio on her website for her firm. And you can go to KUCI.org slash privacy piracy. Dominique, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Mari. I'm thrilled to be here. Well, I I know what a good lawyer you are since we collaborated before, and this is a very exciting time talking about target marketing, and I know you wrote a great article, which I had a chance to read, called Online Behavioral Advertising Litigation and Proposed Legislation. So we've been hearing a lot about target marketing and all the legislation that's going on and the senators talking about it because privacy and the information is huge 
For you, what are some of the biggest issues that you deal with with privacy in the information age? Well, you know, right now, Marie, the the biggest issue I would say facing clients um, who have websites or who are hiring vendors to create smartphone apps for them is this issue of targeted or behavioral advertising. The reason is that the whole concept of receiving targeted ads can be very attractive uh, to consumers who might want to, who are in the market for a particular type of product and want to receive ads that are targeted to them. But if it's not clear that uh, the user understands that they will be receiving tracked ads, sometimes there has been a backlash in the community. And this has resulted in a number of um, activities, both at the regulatory level through the FTC, as well as in the, the, at the litigation level in the courts. Currently, there are about 50 class actions pending around these issues. Yeah, that's, that's really something I was reading about that in your article. So let's be real clear about what behavioral, ad, you know, targeted advertising is. I know, give some examples, like the one that I think of that I'm okay with is on Amazon.com. When I go to look for books, since I'm always interviewing authors on both of my shows, and I'm kind of glad when Amazon points out new books that really fall into the category of privacy, and they tell me about it. But what are, what are some of those other ways that people get behaviorally and targeted marketing? Well, uh, they can get it through a lot of different sources. So, for example, when you go on to your... Yahoo account, for example, to send an email. There are ads that appear in your um, when you're just about to check your messages. Those ads are targeted based upon most times based upon your activities um, online. Similarly, if you're on your social network, if you're a member of Facebook or LinkedIn or any any number of social networks out there. Uh, Typically, the ads that will appear in your margins are going to be different than the ones that I see of depending upon the interests, your geographic location, what sorts of things that you've clicked on in the past, and the hobbies that you've indicated when you created your social networking profile, and, and also what games or other things you might have signed up for. Right. So behavioral advertising can also happen actually in snail mail that you get too. Isn't that true? That's right. And it's, it's basically the process of tracking the consumer's activities online to be able to serve them targeted advertising, whether that be digitally or, um, or through regular mail. I have to tell you something funny. A friend of mine who is a privacy officer at a major, major company was on her Facebook, and we were all laughing because she got targeted marketed. She's in her 60s, and she was getting all these marketing in this, by snail mail um, using Depends. <laughs> so we were laughing about it, and all of us in the, that are friends with her were saying, my gosh, talk about disgusting, you know. And, and I told her that she should uh, send that email to the privacy officer of that particular company mm-hmm. and write a sweet little note and see what they think. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and it's interesting. I mean, you've just touched on something that is really important because some of the ads can be welcome and some um, not so welcome. And a lot of it depends upon the consumer's expectation. Um, if they've expected, you know, if your friend had signed up 
to receive um, newsletters and updates on Depends, and she'd be happy to receive that in the mail. But um, just based on her demographics, sometimes, you know, that can, it can be bad for business in the sense that if the consumer's not expecting it because um, there can be a backlash. Right. And so all of us who saw that on our Facebook were so disgusted that none of us said we, all of us said, hey, we would never buy from that company knowing that they do that. Mm-hmm. And and I remember also years ago, um, there was a woman who contacted us who was very upset because she, her, her baby had died of SIDS. And afterwards, she was, for months and months and months, she was getting advertisement for diapers and coupons for all sorts of baby food and stuff. And it was just horrifying for her. So, you know, that's one of the other problems is that, yes, they're targeting you, but they don't necessarily know uh, what you want and and may, in fact, hurt you. So. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the, you know, the concerns that they have. What are some of the other concerns about this behavioral tracking? Well, you know, uh, you touched on one of the big ones, was, which is the notice that it's happening, the transparency or, you know, visibility of, of why you're receiving a particular ad, and then ways for consumers to be able to opt out. Um, that's really the... Those are sort of the three prongs of um, the, the sort of touch on the, the main areas of concern that have been identified um, at the agency level from the FTC perspective, as well as by consumers in these class action lawsuits. And frankly, from the company's standpoint, um, this is also something that they want to make sure that they get right. I, I represent a number of companies who are either um, hosting websites serve targeted advertising or uh, may want to get into that because the reality is that targeted ads, in terms of um, their viewing rates and and click-through rates and and e-commerce activity that results as a result of seeing a targeted ad, I think a study was done by the National Advertising Initiative um, in March 2010 that found that, you know, targeted ads are about 100% more likely to be viewed, clicked through, and actually, you know, acted upon than just general banner ads that people have come to ignore. Um, This has become a big issue because, you know, the ad spend online and through digital means was about 20, I think a little over 25 billion last year, and they're expecting that by 2012, it'll be 30 billion, um, which will be a new peak really, you know, exceeding ad spends and newspaper advertising or hard copies. Um, it, for this year, for the first time, uh, digital ads exceeded the, um, the hard copy ads in terms of the spend. So, marketers, so you, get more, you get more bang for your buck if you're in marketing. <laughs> exactly. And they, and they want to be able to segment and understand who their consumers are and what they want and what interests them. And the way to do that um, in a way that will still keep your brand um, flourishing and consumers not having a backlash on you, on the company is, is getting a handle on um, figuring out how to communicate and what's the best way to communicate to consumers that targeted, targeted advertising is happening. Um, there are a number of self-regulatory uh, groups, the Better Business Bureau, um, the Direct Advertising Alliance, the Interactive Advertising Bureau. These are all um, organizations that have come together to develop protocols for uh, for giving consumers the notice that they need. 
And so the, the sort of ideal, regulatory, at least with the self-regulatory principles push, is the idea of having an icon some, or some kind of notice in addition to um, what's contained in a privacy policy so that consumers can understand clearly that targeted advertising is occurring on the site. And then providing an opportunity for consumers to opt out um, and making that as transparent as possible. And then, of course, for the company standpoint, um, working to make sure on the back end that they're able to keep track of those opt-outs and they don't have uh, tracking, you know, respawning or cookies being respawned again to target ads um, after a consumer has opted out. So those are all the things that are are underway right now and in the works. But um, but it, it'll take a while before one system gets in place. I, I, will, I should also say that the FTC has encouraged uh, industry to consider a do-not-track list very similar to a, the current do-not-call list. And in this regard, they're suggesting um, or they ask for comment on whether the technology is to a place where uh, a universal browser setting could be set to um, where consumers could control their privacy setting as it relates to targeted ads. And there's been quite a bit of comment about that. And um, on the industry side, there have been concerns that the technology is not there and, and they can't speak to each other. The different web browsers are not going to be able to speak to each other and the websites will not be able to recognize a universal browser setting. But even if that's not possible, some other way to, to make it easy for users to opt out. Well, like with the do not call list, okay, so we opt out and then um, if we basically opt out to everything. And then there are certain exceptions like charities and political stuff, you know, like that, that, you know, we still will get calls. So um, what do you think would be the best way to deal with this? Or what is one of the more favorable ways that that is that takes into, con- uh, you know, to consideration the concerns of the consumers and still allows companies to. Um, to be able to have a relationship with them in that they find out what they like. Exactly. Well, you know, that's a, it's a tough question. Right now, the way it's been working has been more of a website-by-website website exercise so that um, many um, companies are including in their privacy policies right now an opportunity for users to um, opt out by visiting the Network Advertising Initiatives or NAI's website and um, and indicating that they want to opt out from any of the companies that advertise through the NAI. Um, the difficulty there is that if you don't have an NAI company, then you're not going to be able to opt out of uh, cookies or any other tracking mechanism because uh, NAI only covers those companies that are members. So right now it's a, on a, a website-by-website website basis. Um, figuring out, a, you know, a universal web browser may not be technologically feasible right now in terms of getting all the companies together um, and web browsers together to, to have one setting. But um, to the degree there could be sort, sort of a, a one-stop shop, basically one location where users can opt out, um, and that can be more universally recognized, I think that would make it a lot easier for everyone for the for the users as well as the companies and um, but it we're I don't believe the technology is there yet 
Right. So when we do the do not call list, which has been so popular, that was through the Federal Trade Commission. So yes. so is is that something that that is possibly feasible that that it would be through the Federal Trade Commission website or a phone number to call? Well, at this moment, that hasn't been proposed through the FTC. And to, to take a step back, on December 1st, the FTC did issue a proposed framework for business and policymakers, um, and it's, it's titled Protecting Consumer Privacy in an Era of Rapid Change. And it's in this report that the FTC suggested this uh, universal browser um, or this do not call, uh, do not track list, very similar to the do not call list, but the idea is it would be administered through a universal browser setting, not through the FTC. Right now, um, we have not really a uh, – we have uh, one program that has been generally reviewed back in 2007 and approved by the FTC as, as a way for industry to self-regulate on this issue, and that's the network advertising um, website's opt-out mechanism. So it's at, I think the link is www.networkadvertising.org, and there's a backslash for managing and backslash opt-out. And on on that um, site, it's possible to go through and identify if there are particular um, companies and uh, particular third-party advertisers that you don't want to receive advertising from. Um, that that can be indicated on this opt-out sheet, um, but this is a, this is run privately. It's not through the FTC. Although the FTC has has seen this program, um, it was the self-regulatory program was was run past the FTC uh, back a couple of years ago and uh, generally approved. And then the the Better Business Bureau had sort of an updated version of this uh, idea, which was. That we understood just recently, the FTC um, suggested that they will not be, and they will not be challenging that as a way for industry to self-regulate. You know, self-regulation is great for really reputable companies that are that have ethical standards that help create those standards. But my experience in watching self-regulation, unfortunately, has been that the the good companies will self-regulate, but those that there are a lot of them that will work outside of it, that won't adhere to it. And so unless there's some kind of enforcement, I, I really haven't been real thrilled with the self-regulation that has been going on. Let me ask you a question um, in terms of we've talked about opt-out. What about, uh, isn't there opt-in with European Union, um, with, with other European companies? What about that? Let's talk well, about what opt-in is and how Europe uses it. Yes. Well, I, you know, it's interesting. This is at the heart of a debate right now as to how to interpret the new EU directive as it relates to cookies and tracked and behavioral advertising. So basically, um, tracked ads are delivered through technologies that will either track the user's computer or their, the user's mobile phone address. And often um, the technology that's used for the, to track an IP address for a computer is um, the mechanism of cookies, or there's also e-tags or other technologies that are used to be able to track the user across a various number of sites and, and know what their interests are. Um, also, for mobile devices, we're seeing a lot of HTML5 code being used to, 
to track the user's uh, behavior um, on, online through their mobile device. But the EU just recently passed a directive that went into effect on May 25th, and it requires explicit consent from the consumer before tracked ads are served. So uh, what does explicit consent mean? Whether that means opt-in or opt-out isn't clear, but it, it looks like it's going to mean an affirmative assent um, by the user. So uh, most likely it's going to be an opt-in where users actually affirmatively click on something to say that they want to receive targeted ads. But how the EU is going to interpret their, their new directive is really something that's still in flux. Um, enforcement hasn't started yet, at, the, at least publicly, that we've been able to see since May 25th when the directive went into effect. We do have guidance, um, some guidance that came down in uh, over the summer of 2011 from the UK indicating that um, that to, from the UK's perspective, a universal browser setting such as the one that was suggested by the FTC in its December 1 report, that it, a browser setting would be insufficient to be able to satisfy the explicit consent uh, requirement for EU marketing, and at least as it pertains to the UK. So this is really important because so many of the clients are involved, or companies are involved in global marketing campaigns. So they have contests and sweepstakes and promotions and advertisings and signups that can occur um, not just in the U.S., but in Canada, the EU, and Asia, and Africa. So getting a handle on how these things are being interpreted overseas is very, very important. So we are speaking with a wonderful attorney who is a privacy expert, Dominique Shelton, who's an attorney and a partner in the intellectual property department of Edwards Wildman Palmer's Los Angeles office. And she focuses a lot on complex commercial litigation, including privacy. And we're talking about a huge privacy issue. So let me ask you something, Dominique. What what would be so wrong with opt-in? I mean, for example, for me, um, if a company that I deal with that I really like to deal with, I don't mind if they have information about me and, and specifically target, like we talked about Amazon, that they'll tell me what kind of books are available. Or if I go on with certain makeup and they come up with new makeup on a different website, I don't I don't have a problem opting into something that I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I like the fact that hopefully they're not sharing everything with everybody else. So, What's really wrong with that? Well, a couple things. Um, there's the the concept of having consumers participate in the decision making around behavioral advertising is obviously um, an important one, and it's it's one that the business community is taking very seriously, particularly in light of the rash of class action lawsuits that have been filed around this issue ever since the FTC's report came out on December first. We've seen. Um, you know, as I said, something like 50 class actions filed. So this is certainly um, something that's on the radar screen of, of many companies to be able to make sure that the consumers feel like they're actively involved in the decision-making around the ads that they see. Um, but the other, you know, the flip side is that the, the, many of, the, um, many of the, the business models for a number of the websites involved uh, the websites, which are free for the most part, involves the ad support or, or um, ad revenue as the basis for, for being able to have the variety and, and the opportunities that are available um, online. So it's a, 
there's a tension that exists because on the one hand, we have the marketers who are, um, you know, in the context of a, in Amazon, those, those sorts of ads um, are considered to be outside of the, the realm of behavioral advertising because you're getting, uh, th- that's based on your activities and purchase, purchase behavior on that particular site. Right. So they, they're calling that contextual advertising. And so far, that hasn't been the subject of the FTC um, investigation. So I think in terms of um, its acceptability to users, it's also um, very acceptable to the regulatory agencies as well, you know, with the understanding that users expect to receive targeted ads from the website that they're visiting based on their activities on that website. It's just when you start gathering information from other websites and then serving up ads that are unrelated to that particular site that you're on where users have chafed um, at times. And some people welcome it and some, you know, people really uh, don't appreciate it and and that's um, what's resulted in the class action activity. But in terms of um, that tension that exists, as I mentioned, the targeted ads tend to be like them, hate them, or, um, you know, love them. The reality is that they tend to be the most effective in terms of consumers remembering them and actually going to them and viewing them. As a result, most advertisers who are doing an online spend are more interested in having their ads delivered in a targeted fashion um, than not. So, you know, this is also linked very closely with the location-based ad advertising and ads that will pop up with, depending on where you are, of what local restaurants or um, discounts that you can get. These are all forms of um, targeting advertising based upon either location or interest or a combination of both. So that it's, that is really the wave of how many websites are, are able to monetize um, their, their, create a business model, frankly, for, for their sites. So figuring out a way to do this in a manner that um, makes business sense but also doesn't scare away the consumers is, is what we try to help clients kind of navigate. But the more information about what's happening on the site, the better. And it's a delicate balance. So I, you know, I'm thinking with so many companies doing international sales and marketing that if there was clarity about what's happening, for example, in the European Union as to what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, wouldn't it just be easier to have one model? So if you do have opt-in for all of the European use, uh, Union consumers, wouldn't it just be easy to just have one policy that everybody you know, for every company can just deal with that one type of policy, it would be easier. Yes, and, you know, I think you're raising a really important point that the difficulty we have is that pretty much all of the countries are a little bit in flux in terms of how to deal with this behavioral advertising issue. So in the U.S., for example, um, you know, suggestions have been raised about a do-not-track list or um, opt-outs in Canada, they're just beginning. They just held roundtables about um, behavioral advertising this past spring, and we're expecting their initial white paper is already out, and it looks like um, we'll start seeing some further guidance as they drill down on these issues. They've been talking with the FTC about their Office of um, uh, Privacy, and their privacy commissioner has been talking to the FTC about how to look at behavioral advertising. The FTC is probably going to be updating their 
consumer report with those initial suggestions that they had for do not track we're probably expecting by the fall of um, 2011 we, we should receive some further guidance from the FTC about how they're going to interpret. From the EU perspective, we don't have a clear directive because each of the, the implementing countries are going to implement it differently. So the EU talks about the need to have explicit consent from the consumer, but it doesn't. the directive doesn't say what explicit consent means. Well, Whether this that, is, yeah, this is crazy. I bet this is what keeps you up at night. Exactly. <laughs> well, listen, There's a lot for lawyers to do I right know, now. I know. Thank God they have you because I know that you keep up with this and you're just terrific. And believe it or not, we are out of time. So we're going to have to have you back again soon once all of this falls into place and we know what the EU is doing and Canada and the United States, Federal Trade Commission. We're going to have to have you back. You are wonderful, Dominique Shelton. We appreciate it. And just we're going to just give your website again and we're going thank you well it's www.edwardswildman.com well thank you so much and we will have you back you are terrific dominique you take care okay thank you all right you've been listening to kuci 88.9 fm in irvine and kuci.org on the net i'm mari frank join us every monday morning at 8 a.m and visit our website at kuci.org slash privacy piracy see our upcoming guests and write us emails about what's important to you in the information age thanks bye program do not reflect those of kuci it's managed stay private The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.